Well, we're beginning a brand new August four-part sermon series that we're calling Heart for the House. Heart for the House. And we're going to explore in these four Sundays an untapped, an unlooked-at book that you may not even realize it's in the Bible. It's called Haggai. And it's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. If you're wondering where it is, just go to Matthew, turn left three chapters. You'll find it. It's only two chapters. And we're going to camp on chapter one today, 15 verses. And I want to share with you today five things. And we're talking today about priorities. We're talking today about prioritizing what Jesus prioritizes in our life. Putting God first. Making decisions to make Jesus the center of every area of our life. So I want you to open up your Bible to Haggai chapter 1. The first thing I want to talk to you about, number one, is the reality. I want to talk to you about what was going on in those days. I want to break this down into three parts. And the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is the, the mounting problems. The mounting problems. The problems we're building and mounting in those days. The Israelites were in captivity in Babylon for some 70 years. And the 70 years have ended, and now they're going back in three different groups to go back to Jerusalem. 50,000 people went the first time, and they got there, and their first job was to rebuild the place of worship, the temple that was destroyed. Because in those days, God inhabited the place of their worship. So they started to build the foundation, and then they got discouraged. Anybody ever, anybody ever been discouraged before? I have. You know what it's like to get discouraged. The Samaritans were attacking them and things were going bad. Well, let me read you verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, King Cyrus had now died and King Darius was now the successor. And Cyrus gave them blessing to rebuild the temple, but not Darius. Darius opposed it. It's the first day of the sixth month. It's the time of worship. Sixteen years had gone by since they started to rebuild the foundation and then they stopped what they were supposed to do because they were discouraged and weeds were growing all on the foundation the word of the lord comes through this prophet named haggai to zerubbabel the son of sheltiel and zerubbabel is the governor leader the governor of judah and to joshua which is the spiritual leader the son of josedak the high priest but the problems were mounting. And some of you today, you're like, well, can I ever relate? I've got so many problems. I've got a mountain I'm facing in my family, in my marriage, in my finances, in my career, in my life. And I'm discouraged. Well, I've got a word for you today. Let me take you to number two. Major procrastination. Procrastination is putting off what you need to do. And they were procrastinating. This is what the Lord Almighty says in verse number two. God speaks you Haggai to these Israelites that should have been rebuilding the temple, but they just did the foundation 16 long years go by. And he says, these people, note that, not my people, these people. It's like, Haggai, I can't even call them God's people. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Y'all done that, haven't you? I, I know it's important, but not today. I know I should start tithing, but when we get more money. I know I should be returning back to worship on site, but we'll wait till the fall. I know I should be taking care of my retirement, but we got lots of years. I know we should get better at this parenting thing, but not now. 
you know what you ought to do, but you put it off and you procrastinate. Major procrastination. But then there's number three. This is the heart of the issue. Misplaced priorities. Their priorities were out of whack. God was not the center. Can I share something with you today that I think you already know? Wherever you put Jesus first, he blesses. Am I, am I right on that? You put him first in your marriage, he blesses your marriage, right? You put him first in your parenting, he blesses your, your family. You put him first in your finances, he blesses your finances. Wherever you put him first, misplaced priorities. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Well, this house, God's house, remains ruined and devastated. Now, I'm in my, my well, I almost said mid-50s, but I guess I'm creeping to my late 50s now. But anybody remember paneled walls in your house growing up? Anybody remember that? Anybody have a rec room in the basement that was all dark paneling? That's how I was raised, and it was just cheap paneling boards. You got to get that analogy out of your brain because in these days, paneled houses with cedar and oak wood. It was expensive. It was the best. And they're all back in Jerusalem refurbishing their homes with the best of the best. And it's okay to make your house nice, but they were neglecting God's house where God inhabited. And their priorities were misplaced. God was meant to be first, but he was second, third, fourth. And their, their priorities were out of whack. And today's message is all about getting our, our priorities back in line. So let me take you to number two, the reply. Number two, the reply. I want to share with you three quick things to reply. And, and, and the first thing that God spoke through Haggai to God's people because they were procrastinating and, and their priorities were out of whack, he, he basically said, pause and ponder. Push pause and slow down and think through what you're doing. Take, take notice. And, and there's an expression that's used several times in our text, verse 5 and verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And then in verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Pause. Ponder. Think it through. How's it going for you? How's that working out for you? You know, like, just take inventory of how it's going and pause and ponder it and evaluate it and see how it's going. Pause and ponder. And then number two, look and learn. Take, take a good look at your life and see how it's going. And we're going to see some things that things weren't going so well for God's people now that they're back in Jerusalem and their priorities were out of whack and they're procrastinating. Let me read verse 6, verse 9 down to verse 11. He said in verse 6, you planted much, but you've harvested little. Wouldn't that be a letdown? They planted lots of agriculture, but they didn't get a lot of harvest. You, you eat, but you never have enough. You, you drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but they're not even warm. And you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. A lot of action, but no satisfaction. And they're just trying to find satisfaction. But when your priorities are out of whack, you'll never find satisfaction. Let me say something you already know. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is all that. Come on. Anybody have a witness in the house? That Jesus is all that you need. Come on. If you got Jesus, you got everything, right? Come on. Come on. Am I right? You got Jesus? You got everything. Look at verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. <laughs> 
Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin. Well, each of you is busy with your own house. Look, look this way. You ever ask someone how they're doing and they say, busy. I am so busy. You need to hear this today. The devil wants God's people to be busy, so busy that we neglect what we should be doing. If we can get busy, we're not going to pray. If we get busy, we're not going to make what God wants as prayer. Busy can be the enemy of what God wants in our life. Look at verse 10. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. Verse 11, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, and then on their agriculture, their grain, and the new wine on their, on, on, on their grapes, on the olive oil, on the olives, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. Now, now look this way. Don't build a theology on this and think because things are going bad, God must be punishing me. No, no, no. Rarely is there that kind of connection, but I know this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he speaks loudly to us in our pain. The megaphone of God is when we're going through difficulties. Sometimes God will use life's challenges to get our attention. Jessica, who's our youngest daughter, is getting married this fall. I can't even believe it. Our baby grew up and she's getting married. She was only five years of age and she fell down. She was actually, I think, three or four. She fell down the stairs. We were in Bowmanville pastoring and her body's all bruised. We took her to the doctor and, and uh, she had bruises everywhere. And I was a little nervous. The doctor would think that the bruises were because of us as parents. And the doctor said, no, 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 relax. We know you. And she had a, we, he said, we think she has leukemia. Those are tough words. And they shipped us to Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. And we're driving down the highway and I'm crying like, God, it can't be this. This is horrible. It's awful. And I had a brand new car. And anybody knows me, I like my lawn green and my car clean. A good Saturday is green and clean. And I'm driving down the 401 to Toronto, and this license plate flew off the car in front of me and smacked into my car and left one huge scratch on my car. There was a day that would have ruined my life. But when you're walking through challenges in your home, you don't care about your car. We take her there. It ends up being a rare blood disorder, ITP. They put her on some steroids and medication. And through the doctors with Jesus, we do our best and God does the rest. She's healthy and well. And we give God the glory and the honor and the praise. He whispers to us in our pleasures. He shouts to us in our pain. Difficulties are God's megaphone. Pause, ponder, look, learn. But number three, go and get. At some point, you got to put action to your thoughts. At some point, you got to stop procrastinating. At some point, you got to start doing what you need to do. Sometimes you need to restart what you've stopped doing. Come on, are you hearing me today? So look at verse 8. Go up into the mountain and bring down the timber. Go and get some wood and build. Go get, build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored says the Lord, putting action to our thoughts. Stop saying someday and start doing what you need to do. One, the reality. Two, the reply. Number three, the response. I love this, the response. And I want to share with you two things. Number one, hear and obey. 
I want you to see verse 12 here and obey. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, this is the governor of Judah. Then Joshua, the son of Josedach, he's the high priest, the, 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 the civil leader and the religious leader. And then the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of their Lord God. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent them. Please don't miss in verse 12. It starts with Zerubbabel and Joshua and then the whole remnant. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If we want our children passionate for God, we got to be passionate for God. If we want our children doing what's right, we got to model it because more is caught than is taught. I've been chatting to some families in our church whose parents are aging and they got to work out all the details of their parents and staying and overnight and making meals and getting them into seniors' homes. And some of you walk that journey, but here's a, here's a lesson. How you treat your parents will probably be how your children will treat you because more is caught than is taught. I think the remnant obeyed because the leaders obeyed. So I want to challenge you today to hear and obey. Then number two, fear and don't delay. Now, now let's scrape down here. Verse 12, the people feared the Lord. That doesn't mean they were afraid of God. Fear means revere. Everybody say that. Fear means revere. One, two, three. Fear means revere. And revere means to honor. Revere means to place God first. Here's the correction of the misappropriated priorities. They, They revered God. And they said, you know what? You're right. 16 long years have gone by, and we got to start rebuilding. We got to get back to basics. We got to start doing what we should be doing. So hear and fear, or hear and revere. Then there's number four. Number four. Number four, the reassurance. The reassurance. And I love, I love, I love verse 13. I couldn't wait to share with you verse 13. Number, the first thing of the reassurance, God's presence is with us. Look at verse 13, which teaches us that God's presence is with us. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I'm with you, declares the Lord. There's a sermon right here, and here it is. God has never left you. God has never forsaken you. God is with you at all times. There's, he, he is at your side. He who is in you walks with you. He's before you, behind you, beside you, and in you. There's nowhere you can go where he does not go. His presence is with you every single moment of every single day. When you're walking through the dark valley, when the mountain is big, when cancer is in your body, and no, no food in the fridge, and when there's problems in the marriage, difficulty in the family Jesus is with you at all times he's with you never question his presence may he overwhelm us and envelope us with his presence many of you know our journey that Evelyn has walked through cancer twice she was just a young mom the first battle and only five or six years ago the second battle and I'll tell you I'll tell you, I'll tell you, this is true. There was never a moment in those difficult times that we never felt like God had left us. We felt like we were enveloped, wrapped in his presence. 
Even though it was dark and difficult, there is a peace that passeth all human understanding. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? It's hard, it's tough, it's dark, it's difficult, but you feel peace. Come on, in the peace of God. Oh, Lord, just overwhelm us. Wrap us in your peace. God's presence is with us. Number two, God's power wakes us. Uh, They went from apathy to an awakening. Uh, I love what it says in verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. God, stir it up. Stir it up. Stir us on the inside. Shake us up. I think as we're cruising, anybody glad that we're cruising out of COVID? Come on, isn't it cool? Come on, isn't it great? Anybody looking forward for the day when you don't got to wear your mask and you could actually hug your brothers and sisters in the Lord? And I can't wait. But I'm telling you right now, God has been stirring his church during COVID. And he's been revealing to us some important truths. And I can boil it down to this. Get back to the basics. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If he would be lifted up, I'll tell you, church, revival shall come. And I believe the Lord is stirring us. So God's presence is with us. God's power wakes us up. And the number five, the result. Get into gear. Don't just talk about it. Do something about it. Well, someday. Let today be the someday. Someday may never start today. Get back to what you know you should be doing. Now watch this. In verse number 14 and 15, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. I'll tell you what they did. They said, eh, to discouragement. And we're going to put God first, and we're going to start and restart and get back to what we should be doing. Look this way. Before we have communion, my prayers, Holy Spirit, convict each one of us on site and online of any misplaced priority. Maybe you need to get back to putting Jesus first in your Bible reading. Maybe you need to get back to putting Jesus first and praying together as husband and wife every single day before I leave the house. Evelyn and I hold hands and we pray together. And the last thing I say to her before I leave is, I love you because I don't know, to be honest, if I'm coming home, anything can happen between I leave home before I come back. Last words are important words. And we pray together and we say, I love you. And, and we say, I love you before we go to sleep. I tell you, church, it's so important. Last Sunday, a colleague of mine who's now retired in his 60s, just starting to enjoy retirement, late 60s, is in the swimming pool with his grandchildren in eastern Ontario and gets out of the pool and has a massive heart attack and dies at home suddenly last Sunday. He knows when you're born, and he knows when he's going to take you to eternity. But every moment of every day matters. There's some of you sitting here today, you're going, when I retire, 
I can't wait till you don't know if you've even got to tomorrow. You've got to make the most of every day and put Jesus in the center of every area of your life and let what matters to him matter to you. People matter more than things. A license plate scratching my car, whatever. Now, now don't take me wrong. I still like clean and green. But people matter more. Holy Spirit, speak to all of us. Show us areas in our life that are out of whack and bring us back to the basics and help us, Lord, to put you and have you in the center of our church and in the center of our finances, in the center of our marriage, in the center of our career. And may he always be number one. Is there a witness in the house today? Come on, give a loud clap offering of praise to the Lord. Pastor Sam and team, come on up. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that on this communion Sunday, as we've begun exploring the book of Haggai, I'm asking you, Jesus, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would convict us about priorities. Help me and help everyone on site and everyone watching online to place you always in the center of every area of our life. I pray, God, that we wouldn't put off to tomorrow what we need to be doing today. I pray that we would start or restart. I pray, Jesus, that we would do what we know we should do. Because, Lord, I know that when we hear and obey and we, and we get into gear and we put some action to this, you release blessing. And I thank you, God, for everyone here on site and everyone watching online. And I pray blessing on everyone in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your hand would rest. We love you. We praise you. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said, amen. We just stand. Let's take a moment. Let's worship together. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Let's not rush this time. Let's just enjoy the presence of God. Let's worship together.
so deep. Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I seek. You are my eyes are closed and my question to you this morning before we have communion is Jesus your one and only desire is he first in your life you're standing here on site or you're watching online was there a time a place a moment that you said yes to Jesus that you said Jesus come into my life if the day was the day that you stepped into eternity do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven for God so loved the world that he gave his only son whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life John 3 16 it is by grace you are saved you can't work for it Ephesians 2 8 9 Jesus came died for you for me the only way to heaven is through Jesus Jesus said I'm the way I'm the truth I'm the life no one gets to the Father except through me Christianity is not a, a religion it's a relationship it's a personal relation with God through Jesus Christ on site online have you asked Jesus into your life if you've never done that I'd have no greater joy than leading you right now in this prayer heads are bowed eyes are closed if you'd like to join me in this prayer, we're going to join you. We're going to pray with you because you want to make Jesus the center of your life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I want to live for you.
be the center of my life. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes and look this way. I believe there's people here on site, people online, that you asked Jesus into your life. You made the best decision of your life. You're here on site. In a few moments on your way out, drop by one of the tables. We've got a Bible for you. It's free. We've got a little booklet for you called Follow. It's free. We offer a follow class online. Sign up for it. And if you're watching online, reach out to us and we'll connect with you. We'll get you into the follow class. And then take the next step and be baptized in water. Because Jesus says, repent and be baptized. Two weeks ago, we, we baptized in water. We had a water baptismal class this week. Eight people get ready to get baptized in water. First of September. Amen. And if you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, take the next step. Be baptized in water. Drop by a table on the way out or connect online. And we're going to help you in your new faith journey. And if you don't attend a Bible-believing, life-giving church, we'd love to have you join in the journey. Last night at one of our Connect Group outdoor gatherings, I met someone who's brand new in our church, came from another faith, accepted Jesus Christ online, and is a follower of Jesus Christ. We give God the glory and the honor and the praise. Hallelujah. God is up to something great. Well, friends, I want to invite you to take the communion emblem. Let's prepare ourselves. You're at home. I, I hope you've got some juice ready or you don't have juice, get some milk or water. Find what you can. Get some bread or crackers ready. And Jesus, when he was with his disciples in that upper room during that Passion Holy Week, before he went to the cross, he gathered with his disciples and he took some bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. This is my body. He took some juice, some, some, some juice from the vine. He said, this is my blood. It was an illustrated message because the bread represented his body and the juice represented his blood. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to forget what Jesus did for me. It should have been you. It should have been me on that cross, but it was Jesus. And if you're glad that Jesus died for your sins, give a little wave right now. Come on. give a little, Anybody glad that Jesus died for your sins? Amen. So Jesus, before we partake of these emblems, we pause and we say thank you. Thank you. God the Father that you sent your Son. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you freely and willingly became a substitute for us on the cross. You died. You paid the debt that we could never pay. We thank you that, that God the Father, you raised your Son to life. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive today. Hallelujah. And I pray we would never forget, Jesus, what you've done for us. So on this Communion Sunday, I pray that we would pause and remember and give you thanks. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I want you to peel back that first layer and wrestle it back. Get the little wafer out. 